This is the Grow Your Clinic podcast from Clinic Mastery. We help progressive health professionals to lead inspired teams, transform client experiences, and build clinics for good. Now, it's time to grow your clinic. Pete, it's awesome to hear that PhysioFit is having one of the biggest weeks ever. You're just talking about how the planning side to what you do in business has been instrumental in being able to get you to this point. What does that look like for you and Andrew and your leadership team? Yeah. And maybe I'll start at how bad we were. And the reason we ended up where we are today was through experiential learning of not achieving and not succeeding and setting goals, but not hitting them. And I think that's a really big thing to reflect Mm. on is Everyone sets goals. If you, if you have two people that go to the gym, they set the same goal. You got two people, maybe they both want to lose weight. One's really successful at losing weight. The other person is very unsuccessful at losing weight, but they have the same goal. And mm-hmm. this was a reflection of ours is that we have great goals and we're setting fantastic goals, but the actions, the habits, the rituals were not there to back it up. And without right. these things to back it up, we're kind of like, well, we can set another goal, but it's just going to be another goal. We're like, oh, gosh, we missed it again. <laughs> next time, next yeah. time, guys. Don't worry, we got this. So for us, it was sitting down and going and with that business plan and toolkit, creating that to go, how can we scale it back to what's the goal? And then like, what are the weekly actions we need to do to achieve that goal? Mm. And really for us, what we found out was that the weekly actions were pretty much the same every week. It was right. almost week on week. It would change very slightly. And I'll give you an example of one we're working through at the moment. We're trying to get more ideal NDIS clients. So we've had a few therapists who have joined our team and said, hey, I'd love to work with people with a disability, Mm -hmm. which hasn't been an area we've been traditionally very big in. And so for us, if you look at the planner, it was understand the NDIS system. It was a three-month goal. And it was meeting with people. It was meetings. It was understanding. It was was getting our head around the system. And that was three months. And then the next three months was, all right, well, now we want to start to build relationships with support coordinators and plan managers, the people who will refer clients in. And if you look at my diary, it's the things I have to do each week on this planner. It's literally three to five meetings every single week, which might seem boring and repetitive, but we know if I'm meeting three to five people per week who can actively refer us clients and we're able to explain to them the type of client we can help and how we can help them. When you look at that compounded over a long period of time, that's a lot of people we're building relationships with. And each of them has access to a lot of clients and some of those will be our ideal clients. And so that's how we look at this as a whole is how can we simplify this process to make it bite-sized pieces that sometimes when you look at it, it looks like you're not doing anything at all, but it's because you're consistently doing the most high value tasks. And that's the whole idea of the business plan and toolkit. I like that distinction, the high value tasks. And so the ritual or the routine for knowing what those tasks are each week, is that something you do Monday morning or Sunday Mm. night? How do you actually have that cadence set up in your own diary? Yeah, it's a really good question. See, I didn't used to do it. I think that was one of the main issues for me was I'd get to the week and I'd feel stressed throughout the week because I was trying to remember all these things that I had to get done Mm. by trying to remember all these things. Your mind is constantly, it's, it's working hard and your brain uses a lot of bloody energy when it's working. And so you're feeling exhausted, tired. You don't have energy because you're trying to hold everything. I see this in so many business owners we work with. 
So for me, getting it out of my head Sunday night, putting it down on paper, and then just being able to go, well, this is useless. This is useless. I can delegate this. This doesn't need doing. This doesn't need doing. Not important. Cool. That's gone. But it's written down in somewhere. Yeah. And then I go, cool. These are the high value tasks. Just so. to pause you there, Pete, the high value distinction, how do you go about determining that? Because I know what it's like when you've got a heap of things, mm. uh, maybe the urgent things seem high value or you don't have a process for sorting mm. what is high value and what is not. So what is your set of principles or criteria that you're using to make that distinction? It's not a uniform policy, uh, as Mick okay. would have you think. <laughs> no. For us, high value is related to the goal. Okay. So if your goal was, say, to have the perfect uniform policy, we use that as one that sometimes comes up and I'm like, it's probably not a high value task, guys. The perfect uniform policy, then the things that create that uniform policy, the actions and the steps and the systems for that, they're all high value because it relates directly to achieving the goal you set. So for me, it's, is that task getting you closer towards achieving that goal? And is that a task that you should be doing or is it something you can delegate to someone else? Mm. Because if it's not something you should delegate, it's on you and it moves you closer, then it's always a high value task. Good distinction. I often find the wrestle between the idea of marginal gains and chipping away, doing the repetitive stuff mm. and the small things versus perhaps maybe that kind of 10x thinking and doing where you're like, I'm going to do this one big action it might require yeah. a bit more time, energy, money, et cetera, to create almost like you're trying to hit the home run. Mm. Wrestling between doing those big actions and those daily sort of or weekly small repetitive things. Mm. How do you go about doing both of those? I think they're both the same thing when you look at it. For me, the big one, I just break it down into small things because you can't do big things. It's just uh, when you look at people who are successful, it's not that they suddenly overnight were incredibly successful. It's that they've been doing a series of actions, habits, rituals daily. They've been chipping away at these things and then it looks like an overnight success mm. right? but because they've done one or two years of work to, to create that success. And we see that with a lot of clinics we work with is they put in all this groundwork, they create all the systems, they create an amazing culture, they work on their marketing, their branding, their referral partners, and then they shoot off. They, after yeah. you know, 12, 24 months, they had this incredible growth because now they had the foundations for that to be able to happen. And so if you look at any big thing, I'll go break it down into things that you can do, tasks that you can do daily and consistently. And if you can do those daily and consistently, it's no longer a big thing. It's uh -huh. just doing a series of small things that achieves a big thing. I love that distinction. We had our digital event just recently. Yeah with Lydia Lasilla, one of the best mm. athletes, in particular winter athletes in Australia. And she spoke about you are the sum of your daily routines and mm. how important that was for her, especially through turbulence, adversity, injury, et cetera, in still yeah. being able to train and progress and then ultimately kick some big goals really in her career, which is awesome. The point there, Pete, that you mentioned, and I often use the work the plan mm. and the work because it's such a simple way for us to go about it. But it's very easy to be taken off that by a shiny ball, something new. You see someone mm. else doing something, you want to do it and you want to do it now. How 
have you done this? How have you stayed the course? And how have you helped other clinic owners stay the course Mm. when those distractions are out there? It's definitely really challenging. And if I reflect on PhysioFit, our own business and I'm of you and everything we've been a part of, there's always shiny balls. Mm. And at times we've, we've gone after that shiny ball and it's maybe sometimes it's worked. But most of the time when we've been distracted from the big goals that we've set, it's, it's been a bit of an anchor for us. And we look back and we realize, oh, we tried to do too many things at once and it was just unsustainable in the long term. Mm. And the way we like to look at it is, is it a step forwards? Is it a sidestep? So it's not getting us forwards. It's something, but it's not going forwards. Or is it a back step? And we look at it in our business through that sort of, uh, that sort of lens, because if it's a step forwards, it's a, it's a shit. Yes. Let's get around it. Yeah. If it's a step sideways, then it's probably a bit of a distraction. And if it's a step backwards, we don't want to be doing, we don't want to be doing any step backwards at all, unless absolutely necessary. Mm. So for me, when it comes down to getting away from shiny balls, it comes back to our desire statement. Okay. Where do we want to be in three or five years time? And I did this with a member just this morning. I was on a call just before. And he sort of said, oh, well, I was thinking about doing this and this and this. And I was like, cool, let's pull up your desire statement and let's find it on there. And it, was yeah. not, you know, it wasn't part of what he wanted to achieve. It was just something he thought, hey, maybe we could do this. So when we pulled it back and said, well, this is what you've said. This is what you're committed to achieving. Now, either we change this now and we, and we include where this was going on there because obviously it's really important. Yes. Or we leave that off and we focus on what we're doing here because what we're doing here is the big goal. And I just get them to think and read it out in present tense. You know, read that out, read that out, read that out. Okay, how does that feel? What's the feeling that's associated with it? Are you happy when you achieve this? And when they read these out and like, yeah, I feel fantastic, right? Do we add this in? No. Cool. That is the little sort of reflection I get people to go through is use your desire statement, read it out loud in present tense. How do you feel? Mm. That's such a great filter to be able to Mm. navigate the here and now because I think what I've experienced personally and seen in a lot of business owners is that there's that entrepreneurial spirit that when there's an opportunity, I can make it work. And so whether that's Mm. renting a room in a different place or taking on this team member that's been referred to you by someone or trying out this new system or technology, We all have the ability to make those things work, but over time, even those decisions can take us off course to where we want to be down the line. Love that distinction, Pete. So I just to wrap some tangibles around Mm. it, what an action point or two that someone listening in today could do to make progress on their plans? I think for me, it'd be write down where you want to be in three years time. Start with that and write it in present tense. And that's what we call a desire statement, a clinic mastery. So in three years time, how's your health and well-being? How's your business, your career? How's your fun, recreation and me time? Time for yourself. What sort of environment do you live in? Do you live somewhere that inspires you? What kind of money do you earn? What's your personal growth like? How are your social life and relationships and how are you giving back? What sort of contribution do you have to the world? So I'd get them to write that down present tense, three years, four years, five years from now, just pick a date and keep that front and center, have that printed out, stick it somewhere, look at it every single day, because this is going to be the driving force behind 
you know, your why for what you're doing. And then I'd say, look at a shorter period of time. And it might be for us, we use the four month ASAP plan. That's the reason that we use here. So four months ahead, what do I need to achieve in four months to take me just one step closer to a couple of things on there? Mm. And I'd write down and then I'd break that down into monthly and then weekly tasks. And that's as, that's all you really need to do. If you do that, you're incredibly successful. Totally. That is a really practical way to do it. And I think when people stay the course, you Mm. plan the work and you work the plan, you start to see progress compounding over time. Mm. Pete, thank you so much for the insights. Uh, For those of you who are listening along, you can check out all the show notes at clinicmastery.com. And uh, perhaps if you're looking for a little bit of guidance, completely assess your clinic scorecard and get an idea as to what are some of the things that you can work on to help grow your clinic. Pete, look forward to speaking to you again sometime very soon. Thank you very much, mate. Catch you. Thanks for tuning in to the Grow Your Clinic podcast. To find out more about past episodes or how we can help you, head to www.clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast. And please remember to rate and review us on your podcast player of choice. See you on the next episode.